0: Okay, and this is our weekly Bible study for, I believe it's 9906, um, and uh, I'm just going to go over a couple of current events. I sent out, uh, what I've been doing lately is, is the information that I've been getting has been coming at such a rapid pace anymore, what I do now with the email is I'll send out one... One or two big emails per week on one subject. Like this one is on my Christian Current Events for this week. This is just an example. It's 22 pages. But if if you clicked on all the links, it would probably be about 100. Um, And there are different topics I'll cover in these. And what I do is I send these out to the... uh, Oh there's about hundred and twelve people on my on my Christian email list. I have about five over five hundred on my other ones together, but on my Christian one there's not a lot of people who can handle this level of information whether they 're a Christian or not there's not very, or whether they call themselves a Christian. most people can't handle this. Uh, it, this would offend the, the typical Christian what I put out every single week. It would just it, everything I put out offends just basically, but I can't help it the truth is just offensive to people that are not wanting to live in truth. people that want to live in darkness truth's offensive to them it's it's it, 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 it's truth is light and and light always exposes darkness and and, and if you're in darkness, And all of a sudden somebody shines a big bright light on you and that's not something you like many times. And that's why people that are living in darkness and the longer they're in darkness the more their their eyes get acclimated to the darkness. And and, and the more that's their reality. And so the longer they're in the darkness, like if, if you walk from a lit room into a dark room, it'd take your eyes a little time to adjust. But the longer you're in that room... The more it's just, okay, I can deal with this, and and, and you get used to it. Well, it's the same way with people that live in the world, and and especially these pseudo-Christians that think they're saved, and they're not saved, and and they have a a real rough time with this type of information. Um, My first article, and I'm not going to go over every single one of these, just a few, is uh, the the chronology of George Washington's Masonic life, that he was a Mason, now a lot of, there's a lot of Christians out there say, oh no, he wasn't He just had this bit part in the lodge and it was all. Now they admit that he was in the, he was a mason, but they just said it was all ceremonial. Now here, here, here's a question I have to ask for them, but before I go over any of this information, my question to them is that and, and the reason I'm getting into this and the reason I've emphasized this is because if we're walking anywhere in deception in our life, it can affect our walk with the Lord. So some people will say, well this doesn't really matter. Why do you dwell on this? Because there's a lot of Christians that vehemently deny that George Washington had any kind of real Masonic involvement, that he was was basically just a Mason that 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 was just it was all for it was all show, no go type of Mason, you know. And if you're of that mindset, you're deceived. And if you're deceived in that mindset, a little leaven Leaveneth the whole lump. So you got one area of your life where you're deceived; it opens you up for further. So but Jesus said, "And ye, if, you, if you're my if you're my disciples, you will continue in my word, indeed, and, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." So what we want to do is we want to continue in His word if we're His disciples. That's that's a sign of a disciple. And then he said, um, he says, "And then ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Well, I believe the Bible. If this if this book really dwells within us, that is going to open us up to the Spirit of Truth. The Bible talks about the Spirit of Truth. Okay, whether that's I don't know how that all plays out. Whether that's some type of good angelic being, I don't know. But the truth shall set you free. The truth shall make you free. Actually, that's how the Bible terms it. So um, I get into all kind of different things where Christians are being deceived. Okay, I'm just going to do a few of these today. Um, I, now a lot of times I'll read you uh, The newsletter from the last trumpet From, from De- Pastor David Meyer this is, this is one of my newsletters Of course I don't take credit for any of this information It's already done I just basically go up on the internet And find it and put it in an email format If I had to do all this from scratch I couldn't do any of it This is, the actual, this is an actual picture Of the George Washington Memorial Monument In Alexandria, Virginia 333 feet high Oh, you did? 333 feet high. That's a picture. George Washington Masonic National Memorial. That's what... Yeah, it's Masonic right there. This is right off their website. There it is. place is huge. This is a whole monument they have got dedicated to George Washington. Uh, his Masonic life. Now... The question I have for somebody that doesn't think that George—now I've also—I had this other email I put out where I—they—I I, got a picture of his masonic apron, all of his different masonic furniture he had, all of this—it's all—I mean, the real thing, the the actual furniture—it's and it's in a uh, museum in um, there's a there's a masonic museum in Arizona, and I had all the real and it's still up on on my computer that I can send that to anybody if they ever want me to send it to them. And my, just email me? Um. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll get it to you this this is straight from this website Okay. Where you really can't say that this is some kind of uh, slanderous bias my question to somebody that says I don't believe this I don't care what you tell me about this I still don't believe you had anything to do with the lodge let me ask you a question because that's how Jesus dealt with, with everything. When he had a Pharisee or Sadducee come, or anybody, and I don't mean to say as though I'm Jesus and, and everybody else is wrong, but but if you look at how Jesus handled problems, he always handled a question with a question. He always questioned. okay, Or he quoted Scripture. He quoted Scripture of the devil. But he questioned Pharisees and Sadducees. My question to you is, if George Washington didn't truly have any type of Masonic, Connection, Dealing. Now we know the Masons are basically the root and the foundation of the modern day Illuminati. The modern day 13 families that run the world. The modern day New World Order. The modern day one world government system, political system, religious system that's ultimately going to come to power during the seven year tribulation. We know that's the case. We know that what the Masons are, are basically like a... Com- what they're going to ultimately end up what they are and what they're ultimately going to end up being is a combination of what we would term as the Babylonian mystery religions all the religions of the world basically they embrace and the Freemasons when you when you become a shriner in the Freemasons you have to take your oath on the Quran not the Bible now when you go into the into the lodge of the first three degrees you got to take your oath on it a, on, a, on the Bible it's a Masonic Bible. Got a a square and compass on it, just like just like George Washington Monument does. I don't know if you saw this in the front lawn. Did you see the square and compass right there, right on the front lawn? A big gigantic Masonic square and compass. That's right on George Washington's thing, and it says it has a G in the middle of it. What does that G stand for? There's there's theories, but the one I've seen is that it stands for Gnostic. Have you seen Have you seen any other plausible? Okay. Gnostic is spelled G-N-O-S-T-I-C, Gnostic. Now, what does that mean? Hidden knowledge. That's what the word Gnostic means. That's what Freemasonry is all about. Hidden knowledge. Oh, I go to the first degree. Well, you got to go to the second if you want to get the next carrot. Oh, okay, I will go to the second degree. And as you get further and further and further in, it's like the mafia. The further you get into it, the harder it is to get out. And there's more level of demonic... You see, you take these blood oaths. You bind yourself with these blood oaths to basically have your your intestines thrown to the four winds and your brain exposed to the vultures and all these crazy oaths they take. When you take that, people don't understand that you are opening yourself up on a massive level to demonic possession. You're inviting demons to come into you when you take these blood oaths. Now, I've studied the occult for a long time. And I remember I was up on the... uh, This website, and they were talking about generational Luciferians—people that 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 worship Lucifer, family generation after family generation after family—and these are the people that generally have the most money, the most—they're the most affluent, they're the most. Because see, that's if if Satan's the prince of the power of the air, which the Bible says he is, it means the prince of this present day world. Not to say that Jesus Christ isn't on the throne, but that's what the Bible says. If he has that type of power, if he has the type of power where he could say to Jesus, just just fall down and worship me. I'll give you all these kingdoms. Okay? If he has that type of power, who do you think he's going to give money to? think he's going to give it to, to born-again Christians? King James Bible? If can, now, not to say God can't bless you. Not to say that Satan's... But I'm talking about in the world. Who would he want to give money to? He's going to give money to people that can do the most damage for his kingdom. against the kingdom of God. That's who Satan's going to give the money to. So, this gnosis, that G that's always in the middle of the skull, the square and compass. Now what does the square and compass mean? That is a, the square and compass are two, uh, uh, like things they use in, um, like geometry type of thing. The Masons were originally Freemasons, and they were builders. And they, they used implements of this. They also had a lot to do with the um, uh, sailing. Um, when they would go out onto the, onto the seas, they had a lot to do with calculations and things of this nature. But the square and compass, what it really means, is the, it's the join of male and female. You notice they're overlapping one another. That's basically, act, what, what that is, is that's actually a symbol for fornication. Okay. that's what that really means if you really, really break it down okay. uh, the, the G in the middle stands for gnosis uh, and, um, again, that's hidden knowledge and that's what masonry is all about you got to go further and further and further until you finally get to the 33rd degree and they bring you up to the, um, up to the uh, Supreme Masonary Center in Washington, D.C. this place is 13 blocks due north of the Capitol Building at the White House, I believe and 13 blocks, rebellion and they bring you into that building and you have to drink uh, wine out of a real human skull and um, during that ceremony it has been told that they put a cross in front of you and they tell you to spit on it. And if you spit and this is in private and if you spit on it if you don't spit on it, they say well done you know, you, you didn't spit on you know, Jesus or whatever you'll never move up though You'll get to be a 33rd degree mason, you'll never move up. If you spit on it, they'll also tell you, well done. And they'll move you up into the really nasty masonry, Freemasons. That's where it gets real dark. Now, not to say it's not real dark up to the 33rd degree. But then you get into, now you can actually, now they know who's theirs and who's not theirs. And you can really get into the nasty stuff. So, um... This, this website says many legends circulate about the Masonic activities of George Washington. Below is a list of documentable Masonic occurrences within the lifetime of George Washington. Now, I emailed this out to my whole list. And some of these people on my list have really, really disputed me before about this. About George Washington being a, being a Mason. I need to get one response back refuting one word of anything that I'm going to tell you right now. Not one. And I had other people say, well, this is overplayed, and these types... Well, I don't think it is. Um, Then he says, indeed, some lore about various lodges that he may have visited are surely true, but without written contemporary proof do not appear in this list. In fact, what they're saying here is they've been much more above board than probably the Christians have been, who said George Washington was never any kind of real Mason. in addition to these Masonic lodges, ceremonies, and celebrations, at least 14 letters survive, written by Washington to various Masonic lodges and Grand Lodges expressing his esteem for the fraternity. And I guarantee you they got them all. Every one of them. And they're documented. These are all documented. Um, he owned at least two Masonic aprons, three Masonic constitutions, and a Masonic jewel, as seen in his estate papers at the time of his death at 1799. Oh, but he had nothing to do with the lodge. He never even went there the last forty years of his life, is what we're told. I'm sorry, dude. I think they got a little more proof than than the supposed Christians. Now, why you say? Well, why are you trying to tear this man down? He's represented as something he wasn't. He's represented as some Christian. And I, let me tell you something: he wasn't saved. He couldn't have been saved if he was a Mason. Amen. How could he have been saved? You can't. Bible says you cannot serve two masters. Um. At the at the top of the pecking order, I'm trying to remember the, the name of the devil that's at the top of the basically the Masonic religion, because it is a religion who they worship. And his name is, is escaping me right now. It's uh I can't remember. It, it's it's this horrific devil that they worship at the, at the highest levels. Um, in fact, I even I watched a documentary on this the other night. And if you go over to the main centers in France and in England, where they have these these big temples and in museums for Freemasonry, you'll actually see see this devil thing. It's 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 so nasty and horrific. You couldn't even believe what this thing looks like. And that's what they worship. That's really what the, that's their main god. That's just another devil. Now, this is a whole chronological order of George Washington's Masonic activity. There's a picture of him with his Masonic apron, one of his Masonic aprons. Now, here, here's a question. I, I keep getting away from this question. I would have to ask back to anybody that would dispute this. Just let's, let's, The Bible says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. I'm just re- being reasonable here, I think. Why in the world... Would our government go so far as to put George Washington's picture I don't even know if I have I don't have any dollar bills on, on, the, on the cover of a dollar bill and on our quarter <laughs> you're telling me that he was really a good Christian and that, and that they're basically just using his picture to ride his coattails. And you're telling me they put his picture on the top of their one dollar bill. And on the flip side, you've got the two seals of the of the of the of basically the, the Illuminati, the New World Order. You got the all knowing eye of Lucifer on top of the pyramid. You got a thirteen level pyramid, thirteen number above. You got a new co- coeptus novus order seclorum, which means announcing the birth of the New World Order. Right on the back of our one dollar bill, and these seals were made back in, in basically around 1776. I could do a whole study on all the d- demonic stuff that is in this dollar bill. You've got a, you've got the eagle on the other side holding thirteen arrows in one hand, thirteen rebellion. You've got six pointed hexagrams. You've got thirteen six pointed hexagrams above his head, hexagrams. You've got um, an olive branch with. Um, uh, in his in his right thing with thirteen leaves on it, and then you've got his feathers, thirty-two feathers on one side, thirty-three in the other. Well, oh, isn't that a coincidence? There's thirty-three levels in the um, uh, in the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, and there's thirty-two levels in the York Rite. And this and it's just a coincidence. This bird has thirty-two and thirty-three feathers. One wing has thirty-two. One has thirty-three. That's because those are the two major branches of Freemasonry. You're telling me that all that stuff, and I haven't even touched, scratched the surface here on this dollar bill yet. We could do a whole how demonic. And you're telling me it's just a coincidence George Washington's picture's on the front of that. And he was actually a Christian. I got a real tough time with that one. And he's also on the quarter? I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. They they honor their own. That's the deal with the Masons. If you go against them, if you're, in, if you're in deep, and you go against them, you know what happens? It's called bullet in the head. Bullet in the head. Ask John F. Kennedy. You cannot get to that level and go against Now, if you go with them, they'll honor you. They'll honor you. You'll be remembered in history, because they write the history books, as this great person. That's how we remember George Washington. Now, I'm not saying George Washington did every, everything he did in his life was evil. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to clarify the fact that George Washington, at bare minimum, was a heavy-duty, devoted Freemasonist. Okay, And this is his whole lineage. 1752, November 4th. Fred- Frederick Burge Lodge, number 4, initiated as entered apprentice. Then the next year, 1753, March 3rd, Fredericksburg Lodge, the same lodge, number 4, passed a fellow craft, meaning he's going up the degrees. It's got four entries there, it's got I don't know how many entries on this page, it's got this is his whole Masonic career documented. Um let's let's see. Um, 1782 Brothers Watson and Cassoul of Nantes, France present Washington with an exquisite silk Masonic apron acknowledged by letter August 10th Now, what that apron is to them do you know what that apron means to them? It's a lambskin apron these, these, these aprons are lambskin, lamb Remember? The Bible says, and they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony Well, See, for us the blood of the lamb is how we gain access to heaven through the through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the lamb. They believe when they get to what they term as it's called the celestial lodge. They believe that heaven to them is the celestial lodge. Their lodge, their, their Masonic lodge. And when they get to heaven, they're going to they're going to show them they're going to show the grand poobah in the sky, their apron, their lambskin apron, and that's going to be their atonement. It's a mockery of Christ. The whole lambskin apron is a mockery of Christ. Um, he all these different celebrations that he was at, and and this is this one is in Alexandria Lodge in Alexandria, Virginia. Well, that's where they they that's where this is Alexandria, Virginia. Alexandria. You ever hear that word? <laughs> Alexandria, Egypt. Egypt. The Bible said not even to go back to Egypt to get a horse. He told that to the kings in um, in, the, in the Old Testament. And any time you have something named after places that were originally occurring in Egypt, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign at all. And... Um, there's another Masonic apron that he got. He walked in a Masonic funeral procession by Brother William Ramsey of Alexandria, Virginia. That was on um, 1785, February 12. I'm, I'm skipping over most of these. Named named Charter Worshipful Master of Alexandria Lodge Number 22. When a new charter was from the Grand Lodge of Virginia was issued. Um, e- evidently, he was then unanimously unanimously re-elected uh, Worshipful. Master of this same Alexandria, Virginia Lodge again in December twentieth, seventeen eighty-eight, for one year. Uh, then he was elected an honorary member of this Lodge Number Eight in Holland, in, in uh, New York, New York. And then he was inaugurated President of the United States using a Bible from the St. John Lodge Number One, New York, New York. He took his oath on a Masonic Bible. He took his oath of office as President. Those blood oaths are higher than anything that any allegiance they would have to God, country, or family. Those blood oaths are higher and binding, binding higher, in a demonic way. See, he was ready to be president by then. Because he had went up all through the ranks of Freemasonry, the Freemasons. So they said, okay, this guy's ready at this point. He's he's hung around long enough and we're going to... Evidently they had groomed him for it. Um it just goes in lodge after lodge after lodge that he went to, um, in, in 1794, set for William Williams port, a portraitist in a Masonic regalia, meaning he was dressed up at all his Masonic regalia at the request of the Alexandria Lodge. Um, it's just thing after thing after thing. So, anyway... Um, if, if, Like I said, if anybody doesn't have this email that, that ends up listening, this just, just email me, I'll get it to you. Um, I put at the start of this email, which I, I use this verse a lot, 2 Corinthians 2.11, Let Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Well, this is a device that Satan's used to dupe a lot of Christians. The next thing, um, I'll just touch on these computer game released today. God's army will begin battling the Antichrist and his minions in a video game version of the post-apocalyptic New York City. Now, it'd be one thing if this was from secular people. But this is a beta version of the Christian-based computer strategy game Left Behind. Left Behind by Tim LaHaye, the supposedly Christian author. He's got a video game that's just come out. Left Behind Eternal Forces will be released aiming at the kind of mass market success garnered by films as the Chronicles of Narnia and the Passion of Christ. Now Tom Horn, the guy who put this email out, went up and tried to tried to interview them and they basically cut the interview off because they didn't like what Tom Horn was saying. You, in the video game, you go up there and, and you, you, um, you kill uh, the people in the tribulation. You're, you're killing the people in the, in the video game. It's a Christian-based video game, but you're killing these the bad guys and stuff. And you, it's. During, I don't know how all all about it. I got better things to do than concern myself with with all this. But yeah, they, that's how bad it's gotten. Violence-based Christian video games that are that are uh, about the, the uh, seven-year tribulation. <laughs> so they got that going on. Um, I'm going to get back to this one last one at the end. Thomas Nelson publishes. Uh, now I've got more stuff on that triquetra symbol. I got more stuff than as my grandma used to say you could shake a stick at on that tri- triquetra symbol that's on the top on on the cover of the New King James Bible. Well, we were just talking about this tri- triquetra symbol that it's basically also um, the the Luciferian Trinity. Um, it is the, uh, triple Wiccan goddess symbols, what it, the, the the most common usage of it, um, and, uh, it represents the, a witch in her, in her, a young witch to a, to a, uh, adult witch to a old witch, and it's, they call it the maid, the maiden, and the crone, or something like that, it's, it's something like that, but, there's so much on that, this one email, um, from um, John Hinton, he provides you with about 50, at least 50 links to website sites where you can go and see where they're selling this triquetra symbol in jewelry or in whatever they're doing. The the witches sell this stuff like crazy. And another thing, I was up there last night and I clicked on one of these links now, you look at these links he's got in here. OriginalMagic.com Talented Trinkets RavenandCrone.com Now, crone is an old witch. That's what that means. GoddessCircle.com LadyHawkTreasures.com um, MysticCauldron.com These are all... Now, these are the sites that sell the tri- triquetra symbol. But it's on the New King James Bible. Huh. I wonder you know another thing they had on this one side I just, I just clicked on one of these links because I didn't have time to click on all of them and they had this, this, this thing in there about these t-shirts they were selling so I clicked on that and it, every single one of these t-shirts had a picture of a woman angel with wings these real these real beautiful women angels with long flowing hair they all have wings and they're all women and it's all straight from the pit of hell that's all demonic. Every time that an that a angelic being appeared in the Bible, he always appeared as a man, usually a handsome man, with no wings. And he did not have one of these discs over his head because what that is, that's an Egyptian sun disc. Which is how they symbolized uh, like Ra, these, these Egyptian gods, these types of things. That's all demonic, straight from the pit of hell. The halos. So, if you see a woman angel with a halo and wings, you know you got something seriously stinking evil on your hand. And the Bible even says that in Zechariah that verse that I had read previously about this is wickedness. And it showed a woman, this woman like angel being with wings. It said that it said the wind was in her wings as as a stork, and a stork is an unclean bird. Okay, so any if you have anybody appearing to you in angelic form, and they're appearing as a woman with angels, but <laughs> you don't have to know, you don't have to even ask God if it's of God. You know it's of the devil, because it don't ever happen that way. But they had all these shirts of this, and I think so many people are in this angel thing, and like my mom, for instance, and, oh, these are my angels watching. Oh yeah, they're they're your angels. They're your fallen angels watching over you. They're demons. So anyway, um, this this... I mean, just link after link after link after link on selling these TriQuetra symbols. Um, and, and and then on, on how they have all the TriQuetra symbols in Harry Potter. And in this book called the Book of Shadows. Um, and then the tarot cards. Um, where they've got the TriQuetra. I mean, it's all over everything occult. Well, I don't even know anything more than that. The Ouija boards. They're on, they're on Ouija boards. They're um, satanic bands using triquetras. I don't know. It must have taken him days to get all these links. Tattoos. Christmas trees. Catholicism. When I was up in Cleveland doing that, doing my um, thing up there, I had a, a doctor um, that was wanting to, he wanted to show me around and stuff. So he took me out this one morning. I didn't have any time to do anything when I was on that tour. But I remember we were going to his office, and we were we were driving across town. And I looked up. There was this pretty big Catholic church, and right over the door, like like that like that glass right there. This, but it was way bigger, big big gigantic tricratia symbol right over the front door when you went in. Huge. I think it was in stone. It was huge. I never saw that on on a, on a church building before, or you know. But anyway, they've got they've got he's got more. More proof here than you could you could imagine. So right there, I just feel like Satan's got his handprint fingerprints all over that thing. Um. So that's that's just that was a, like another thing that I got into. And then, um, this is Mel Gibson. This is a thing. Um, did you know that in the Passion of Christ, thirty three. Out of the 66 adult actors in Passion of Christ, 33 of them appeared in movies with graphic sex, pornography, violence, horror, or a combination of all these four elements together. And he's got the whole thing documented. Every single actor or actress. Five of them were uh, hardcore porn stars. Hardcore. Not soft. Hardcore porn. Triple X. Okay? Five of the 33 were that. Out of the 66... Oh, 66? Adult actors? 33? 33? Hmm, what were we just talking about? 32nd and 33rd degree? 33 is one of the most sacred numbers in the occult. One of the most sacred. And you're telling me Mel-, Mel Gibson's just a jaded Catholic? He knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. This is called Mel Gibson's Hall of Pornography. Just in The Passion of Christ Alone. But, oh, it was a good movie. I'm telling you, I, 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 don't, I don't see... Anything coming out of Hollywood that's of God. Hollywood is made to deceive the masses. Um, and the last thing I wanted to show you, you can have that. The last thing I wanted to show you was a clip from Benny Hinn. There's, oh. a, there's a tape from over. Um, let's let's just go over here real quick. I want I want you to see this. Now what this is. What we're going to be seeing today here is uh, D- Benny Hinn putting a curse on anybody that would dare oppose his ministry. Okay, that's what you're going to be seeing here uh, real soon. Um, this is a picture of Jesse Duplantis, who's just another, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Satanist who's hiding hiding out. Um, Okay, so <coughs> this is Jesse the You can't hear what he's saying, and it. And it I, I really wanted you to hear the one on Benny Hinn. That's pretty glad. Satan.
1: Well, let's have a look at this mega preacher. Benny Hinn. Same doctrine appears time and time again. Benny Hinn says, "Don't tell me you have Jesus." You are everything he was and everything he is and ever shall be. Don't say I have, say I am, I am, I am. Did you know that the United Nations has a prayer room where they come together and chant I am, I am, I am, I am? York City. This is exalting man. This is anti-Christian behavior. Notice that Benny Hinn curses those... Who go against his ministry, as does Kenneth Copeland? In this clip, the first voice, where Copeland says, "Those that have criticised his ministry have gotten cancer and died," and uh, N says the same thing. Answer. Yes, Lord, I do it. I place a curse. stretch his hand against this anointing. I curse that man who dares to speak a word against this ministry. I think I'm in trouble. But I'm not really saying anything. They are saying it, right? What's this? Personal charisma and well tried techniques of power manipulation, Any him adds another dramatic ingredient. Actually, it's an old hypnotist trick, and it's been around for hundreds of years. Fire on the choir. Fire on fire. more, down. You must let every god down. First, there's the classic hypnotic induction you will not protect even your emotions anymore. You become completely open because the anointing demands that every part of you be open. And at those moments you are extremely fragile and extremely sensitive. You show the forgive to a professional hypnotist. And he said, and I quote, this is something we do every day, and Mr. him is a real professional. Well, I would react by simply saying that these manifestations do happen. Yet, at the same time, the real, the divine, is still there. All right, so he says, does he deny it? No, we no does he doesn't deny it. So is this hypnosis or is this for real? Well, let's listen to what he has to say a more Whoa. Satan. They hide it in a type of
0: tongue. He was using Satan. But they clearly saying, say, Satan.
1: Let me hear you praise the name of Satan. Let me let's that's what he was just saying. saying. Pennsylvania with Pastor Benny Hedden. Hello. Yes, good evening. I believe that there are false prophets out in the world today and we've seen the televangelist who have fallen by the wayside. No, I was just wondering what really separates Mr. Hens from the other TV evangelists out there. How do they know? It's quite simple. See, Jesus said by the fruits you will know them. And uh, just watch the person's fruits. right. This is a The video that was taken at one of his parties had led to
0: a tremendous outlaw. Okay, now, let me explain this to you. This is Steve Brock. This is his right-hand man, okay? He just gave Steve Brock a nice big check for what they had just done that night. This is in Israel, okay? This is Benny Hinn right here. Now watch this. This this is a real video that, that was they wish that never ever ever got out.
1: There he is the heroin
0: part. They're smoking heroin. What? What you smoke? There's Steve Brock. That guy died that Sometimes night. That of of drugs there was to be an ind- That was his main security guy. He had all kind of history of drug abuse jail time. That was his main security guy for Benny Hinn. He died that night that he smoked that pipe of a heroin overdose. Now I'm not making this up. This really did happen.
1: Investigation into the financial affairs. No, no, what they're going to Hello? It's quite simple. See, Jesus said by the fruits you will know them. And uh, just watch the person's fruits. If they uh, display uh, a clean life, a Christian character, if they show true Christianity, then they're really for real. Well, here is the anointing on his wife, Suzanne. This is what his wife. If you're interested, You know what you need? You need a Holy Ghost enema
0: right up your rear end. Okay, so she said, if your engine isn't revving up, she said, you know what you need? She says you need a Holy Ghost enema right up your rear end. That's what she just said, okay? Now, here's what she does after she says the Holy Ghost enema thing. She's going down. Oh, there she went. (laughs) That was basically
1: short. This guy's good. See what you said? He's good. I don't have to repeat that. Uh, It was pretty disgusting. So my question is, these movements, are they an outpouring of God? And like Benny Hayden said, fire on the choir! Or fire and our audience falls down. Just fire. Is it from God? Or is it from another source? This is the world's greatest...
0: Okay, well we'll we'll just end there on that, that point, um, at least for that portion of it, so, I wanted everybody to be able to see that, and, uh,
1: yeah.
0: oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, um, that, that video, yeah, we'll get it for you, um, that video, um, there's a whole, there's about, Ten of those videos online. Uh, he's not doing every one of them. That particular man that was on, the, the, that was the narrator there. But yeah, you just seen a little bit there. Uh, now, if, if anybody would be listening to this and they don't, they don't know what video clip this is, you're going to have to email me because I'll get you the video clip. I'll get it right to you. And it's 90 minutes into this video clip, uh, almost exactly 90 minutes, where Benny Hinn starts to go and do all the stuff that we're seeing and that's just a, that you know I've quite honestly I've, I've known about that for years I've seen those video clips over and over um, uh, but a lot of people haven't but the, the problem is is that, that people that are really firmly following Benny Hinn most of the time that's not going to make a big difference to them they're going to just ignore it and act as though it didn't happen because they want their sin they like how Benny Hinn makes them feel and it ain't going to matter really what his you know, they're they're just they're not going to believe it no matter what you do. So yeah, that that's uh it's unfortunate, but that's what we're dealing with in the in the church nowadays. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and finish up today. The uh, few weeks back, I'd started a study on persecution-free Christianity, just some Bible verses about that whole the whole thing about that, and um, I'm just going to go through several Bible verses. Uh, Romans 12.9 says that Dearly beloved avenge not yourselves but rather give place under wrath for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay saith the Lord Um, now this is part of when Jesus um, when the Bible says about enduring to the end okay in, in today's day and age, you know, you may want to avenge yourself, especially if there's evil that's been done unto you. But the Bible says, avenge not yourself, but rather give place under wrath. Who are you actually giving place under wrath to in that point? You're giving God the one, the place under wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Okay, Romans 12, 19. So, um, God's the one that actually is... The one that gets vengeance on these types of situations. Uh, and when he does it's going to be a whole lot better if we would have done it. Okay, But I'm not saying that should even be your real motivation, because the Bible says we also have to forgive. We have to forgive in, in order to obtain forgiveness. Jesus said that. He says, if you don't forgive, don't expect me to forgive you. If you don't forgive your brother, how can I forgive you? So... Um, Now, granted, that was true, that was in the context of a brother, but I think we're supposed to forgive. The Bible says, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, you know, uh, do good unto them that despitefully use you. So, um, but I also don't pray at the same time for for them to be blessed in their wickedness, so that they can ultimately take more people to hell with them and that they can send their, their brains out on this earth. That's why I pray Psalm 64. I don't pray it because I want so bad to see vengeance taken on the wicked, so much as I want God to deal with them for the out, for the ultimate output being for all men will see and fear and declare the work of God for they will wisely consider his doing. Well, that's why I pray it. And God knows your heart while you pray things. So you got to make sure that, you know, what your motivation is. Ephesians 6:18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching there unto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Um, so that's that's a, just a good verse to dwell on. Uh, Ephesians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be careful for nothing. Now what that careful means in the King James, that means full of care. That's the, that's the old... Um, I guess the older translation. Now, th- today we would think careful is meaning you're careful. You know, you want to make sure you you this, but that's not what it means in the in the King James Bible. Uh, if you look at the original meaning of the word, the word careful, if you look it up in the Noah Webster 1828, means full of care. So it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, these are prayer principles. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So we're not supposed to be full of care. Take the Bible says, take no heed for for tomorrow, for um, you know these types of things. So sufficient of the day is the evil thereof. Don't don't concern yourself or boast yourself in tomorrow. So we're not supposed to go around wringing our hands about oh this and this and that, because the Bible says, be careful for nothing. Um, But if you have a tendency to want to do that, what you need to do is bring it before the Lord in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, always with thanksgiving. Because if you're not thankful when you go into prayer, um, I really believe it hinders your prayers. Because if you're just dwelling on the negative and you're not dwelling on the positive, I mean, you're not thankful for what God's given you and and where where you could potentially be, you know, then how, how's God going to really hear your prayer? So what we do is, is through thanksgiving we, we make our requests known unto God. And the Bible says that even in Romans 1 it talks about, and they became unthankful in their mind. Now then it goes on to say, starts to talk about the sodomites. Men burning toward men and women, women um, leaving the natural use of their own bodies burned toward one another. And then they worship the creature more than the Creator. But if you look at the whole root of of Romans Romans in there, Romans 1 or 2, what it says is, is basically that they became unthankful. That was basically the foundation. So when you start to become unthankful, it's a very dangerous place to be. Because you can see where that can ultimately end up leading you. In that Bible verse, it's, it's just a progression right into the pit. Philippians 1.27-29 Philippians 1.27-29 says Only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent I may hear your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Okay, so that's being like minded in a biblical way is essentially what they're in reference to there and you could stand fast striving together for the faith in the gospel I really believe you strive mostly through prayer of one faith the bible says where two or three are gathered together there I am in the midst of them Jesus talked about that Okay, so if you're actually praying in prayer and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be in the same room together but it does say where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst of them. So like today in this meeting we have here, we're gathered together in, in Jesus' name, and Jesus said, there I am in the midst of them. I have faith to believe that. Um, so we, we, we can appropriate these things through prayer. Um, it says to stand fast in one spirit, in one mind, striving, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Okay, that's how we're actually supposed to do it. The Bible also says that a three-cord fold is not easily broken. Now, if you take one piece of string and and you just and, and and you pull on it, you can you can snap that. But if you take three pieces of string and intertwine them together and pull it, you won't be able to do that, or you won't be able to do it near as easy. And that's why the Bible says a three-four cord is not easily broken. That's why the devil is trying to get the body of Christ so disjointed and so one person doing his thing and one person doing the other. He's doing a really good job at it. But if there were Christians today united in prayer and in agreement and in one accord, then he knows how much they could accomplish for Christ. And he doesn't want that. He wants to stop that every way that he can. But the Bible says to do the exact opposite and actually, you know, strive to do that thing. And then it says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which to them is an evident token of, of perdition. That's a pretty heavy duty statement there. How many times have you ever heard anybody preach on that? And, by, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, nothing should terrify you about the adversary which to them is an evident token of perdition what does that mean well that means that when you are when you tremble before your adversary in and, 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 and like many so-called Christians would do oh okay whatever whatever you want I, uh, you know I'll do this I'll do, I'll do that I'll take the mark of the beast I'll I'll, I'll do this and as long as you don't, as long as you just leave me alone and you call yourself a Christian and the world looks in and sees your reaction that's an evident token to them of your perdition. What does perdition mean? Perdition means damnation. Turning it means going backwards into damnation. If you look up the word perdition, that's what it means. So see, the the people in the world love that. They love it because to them, all that does is reaffirm in their own minds. See these phony stinking Christians. They don't. They don't. They don't really believe that book. They don't really mean what they what they say. Because look at them, all afraid. And, and running away from these things. But to them, when the world sees that, when the world sees you're afraid, it says that that's an evident token, a token. It's, it's a token. It's a sign to them of your perdition. So it's doing, it's basically reaffirming to them that you're just a, uh, you're just basically like a, a paper tiger. Like you're like you're a Christian in word only, but not in deed. Okay. So that's that, that's a really heavy-duty verse that, that I don't think I've ever heard of, uh, a sermon ever preached on that. Now, how do you not be terrified by your adversaries? You got to pray for that. You it just is not something you're going to muster up. You I mean you should pray for these things, God? You know, and you know how the the best way to not be afraid of your adversaries? I'm I'm really big on going into okay. What's the opposite extreme of being afraid of your adversaries? Being afraid of God, fear of God. Okay, so now you think that, and then if you had a lot of the fear of God operating in your life, if you were just full of the fear of God, don't you think that you wouldn't have a whole lot of fear, of man? Because you would know who to fear. Jesus says, "Fear not. It's, fear not a man that that can that can, um, that can kill the, the body, but fear them. But fear him that can cast both body and soul into hell." That's what Jesus said. Now that's real fear. That's the right kind of fear. If you have enough of that fear in your body, you won't have any, you won't have any fear um, for, for the fear of man in you. Because that, the fear of God will drive the fear of man out of you, is what I guess I'm trying to say. Okay? And I'm not saying that you're going to walk around in, 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 as some type of uh, person that's never ever capable of, of, of being in a situation where fear, fear enters in, because I wouldn't go ever say that. But I'm telling you, that's why it's so important to pray for the fear of God. Because if the fear of God is indwelling you, the more it indwells you, the less fear of man or the fear of your situation or the fear of what might happen to you will become. And I I can say that because I've prayed for it for so long. And one drives out the other. Just like humility drives out pride. Humility is the polar opposite of pride. Fear of man is the polar opposite of the fear of God. So here, I just simplify things. I say, okay, if the fear of man is what I don't want, then I just pray for the fear of God because the bigger this gets, the more the less this gets. The more humble you are, the less pride you got. You can't be proud and humble at the same time. You can't have the fear of God and the fear of man at the same time. You can't have it. Not in equal measure. It's it's going to be like this. Bigger the bigger the fear of man is, or the or the or the bigger the fear of God is, the less this one is. And you can you can go right down the line and, and do that with almost every Christian tenet that there is. Almost everything you could figure out a way to apply that. What I just told you, it's just biblical. It's it's not anything that I'm making up. It's just it's just the way the Bible is. Um, so in in nothing terrified by your adversaries which to them is an evident token of perdition but to you of salvation and that of God for unto you it is given in in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake so it says right here um, that when you're not terrified of your adversaries If you were, it's an evident token of your perdition. But if you're not, it's basically a token of your salvation. It's a fruit. It says it right here. It says, but to you of salvation, and that of God. For unto you you it is given in this behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, on Christ, but to also suffer for His sake. Suffering. Um... If we suffer with Him, we shall also reign with Him. That's what the Bible says in the New Testament. You know? um, If we we suffer with Him, we shall also reign with Him. Paul said, And to know Him and the fellowship of His sufferings. There's a fellowship in sufferings that you will only know once you suffer for Christ. And it brings you into a bond with Christ that if you've never suffered for Him, you've never known. Because you weren't there before. It's not, it's not as though when you, get to be a, when you get saved, all of a sudden you have this, this fellowship of suffering with Christ. The only way you can have a fellowship of suffering with Christ is if you suffer. When I went through that, that real, real dark time for that year, granted, I wasn't in a prison camp somewhere. And granted, I was, I was deceived on some levels, no doubt about it. But I was suffering, and I was suffering in a biblical way. In, in regard to the way, praying and fasting and, and a lot of these different things. Now, great, it wasn't the ideal way. But I do have at least a concept of suffering, the fellowships of the suffering of Christ, okay? Um, and it, it brings you very close to the Lord, will bring you very in fact it'll bring you closer to the Lord than anything else could happen I think that's why Paul said and to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings it was something he actually tried to attain he actually strove for that Um, so that's pretty pretty amazing then it goes this article goes on to say we will never be abandoned in our time of need it would be pointless to think that man can change what God has allowed to put in motion see God has established everything from the beginning to the end. So it's not as though any of this is taking God by surprise what would happen to us. He knows the beginning from the end. He promises He will never leave us nor forsake us. He also promises to provide all that is necessary to stay the course and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are one in the body of Christ. We suffer an ache when we hear our brothers and sisters are persecuted and suffering. Just as we rejoice with them when we hear of them rejoicing. So to suggest we feel less shows lack of knowledge and understanding of the nature of the body of Christ. Hebrews 13.3 says, Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. In other words, those that are bound in, in, a, in like, let's say, a foreign country, as you are bound with them. And them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Well, why does it say in the body? Because the Bible refers to the body of believers as the body of Christ. And if and if the eye suffers, so does the little finger. And they're all related. And they all have a different function. Okay? That's, why, that's the whole thing there. Um, the issue is not to stop persecution. The issue is recognizing that persecution will indeed happen if we belong to Him. Bible says it's going to happen. Um, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Second Timothy three twelve. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Well, the people in this little room right now, where I've got this Bible study, and there's five people here, we have suffered persecution mainly from the own church, from the churches we have come out of. It's nothing to be compared to with what's going on in China. Okay? Nothing to be compared with that. And I, I think we're going to have our turn. Uh, I'm not praying to have it. Oh yes, I, I mean, I think I'd be lying if I prayed it. I haven't got to that point where Paul was at. And to know him in the fellowship of his suffering? Do you know how hard that would actually be to pray that in prayer and really mean it? I thought about praying it. And there's part of me that, that would mean it, but there's a part of me that wouldn't mean it. I mean, it's that's pretty tough. You get to that point? And to mean it, it's one thing to say it and, and like to look pious and, and, and but it's all fake. <laughs> it's another thing to really mean it. That's a pretty tough, tough thing to do. Um, so um, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Okay, what if you're living like the devil and you say you're a Christian? And you're not suffering a persecution. Well, the Bible says, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And then what does the next verse say? 2 Timothy 3.13 says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But evil men and seducers? Okay, that's the time we're living in. Evil men and seducers shall wax, Word wax means grow, worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Okay, so they're going to be deceivers and they themselves are going to be deceived. Um, the issue is not how to stop persecution. The issue is recognizing that persecution will indeed happen if we belong to Him. That, that understanding leads to depending on Him as to how we deal with those circumstances and allowing Christ to be glorified through it all. John fifteen eighteen. I will not leave you comfortless. Comfort to, comfortless. I will come to you second Corinthians 1 3 through 7 says blessed be God even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of mercies he's the father of mercy mercy when you're going through tribulation and in these things you can pray for mercy I'll tell you what man I did when I went through that time I was begging God Woo-hoo. let up but in, in the same time I didn't pray that I, 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 I was I was suffering so bad that I said God I said I'm suffering so bad right now that um, I would rather get this over with because sometimes God will offer you different routes out of a thing he offered David three ways to get out of that thing after he numbered the people he offered him three different options He says, okay, you can do, do it the long way You can do it the intermediate way You can do it the short, quick way I told God, I said, I want this to be over with As quick as possible So if I, I'll, I'll agree right now before you I will suffer more Pour it on me Do whatever you got to do to me But I want to get out of this thing I want to get out of the, the, the quickest way I can get out of it And I really meant it And oh, man, did I suffer I'd never been through anything like that in my and, and what I went through was a, was a there was a lot that I'll only understand when I get to heaven on a spiritual side because I was going through things that, that, that in, the, in the flesh, looking at the situation, you'd ask yourself, well, what do you mean? why are you suffering so bad? I don't know. It was a spiritual thing that was going on and I'll only know the extent of that spiritual battle because it's an invisible battle to me. I'll only know the full extent of that when I'm on the other side in eternity. Unless God chose to chose to reveal it to me in some type of vision, which probably won't happen, and I'm not even praying it does happen. You know, one of the reasons I don't pray for I, I'm not big on praying. Okay, God send an angel down here and show me this thing. He could, he could do that. He did. He did. He. There were Peter had a vision, and in, in in a lot of these guys. Well, number one, anymore. Most of the people that do that are the ones that are often left field, and they're getting actually demonic manifestations. And the Bible says, "Test the spirits that they be of God." And how do we know that? Because the Bible says that they that confess that Jesus Christ have come in the flesh are of God and confess Him to be Lord. So these are these are some ways. But there's another thing that happened when He talked to Timothy—not Timothy, Thomas, doubting Thomas. He said to Thomas, "This is blessed are those that." have not seen and still believe so see when you don't ever go if you can go through your whole life and live a whole life of, of um, heartache and persecution and things of this nature never have God actually have to manifest in the flesh to strengthen you the Bible says blessed are they that, that, that have believed and not seen there, there's a special blessing connected with that that's a whole other sermon really um, but he said that to Thomas because Thomas had to, had to put his his hands in, in, the, in the nail prints and these th- types of things he had to do these things in order to um, in order to believe okay so there's different types of belief and I think God God is up there and he would rather you believe just because he said it so not have to actually manifest and do all these great my um, if if God comes to you and let's say Jesus Christ comes down today and he, let's say his throne came down from heaven and then the whole world saw it. The whole world saw it. Everybody on the face of the planet. His throne is gigantic in the heavenly city and, and uh, I mean just absolutely totally in awe. What faith would there be in any of that to believe that Jesus had come down? There would be absolutely zero faith involved. All there would be was 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 on wonder. There would be no faith in that. He's there. I'm looking at him. There's no faith realizing that he's there on that throne right now because I'm looking right at him. He's right here. What what is faith? Now see, God God is Jesus Christ is mo- is moved. I believe through faith. You always see it in the Bible. You go back to Abraham. Because of his faith. Because of their faith. You go, you go into the Hebrews in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Because of their faith. Rahab the harlot. Because of his faith. It's always about faith. Works following. Works are a byproduct of faith. Okay? Works show that you had the faith to begin with. It's not works first and then you don't really believe deep down in your heart, which is what most people do. They're just trying to earn their way into heaven because they they think that that's, in their own mind, they've convinced themselves that that that's the way it should be because they want to be as God. They they, want to do it their way on their terms. But faith is something, is the evidence of things hoped for, is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. By the elders obtained a good report. I think that's Hebrews 11.1. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. If Jesus came down on a throne and you saw him, there would be no faith involved. You would just see, okay, oh, yeah, I'm okay, sorry. You know, be, there'd be no faith involved in, in any of that. And I believe God is is much more moved through faith than anything else. We have to get saved through faith, for you're saved by grace, Ephesians 2 11. For you're saved by grace, what grace? The grace of God. Through faith, faith in who? Jesus Christ. For you say by grace, through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, um, faith moves the hand of God. Faith is, 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 is if you want to be a mighty warrior for the Lord, you have to operate in faith. And I think you also have to operate in the fear of the Lord. And Humility. The fear of the Lord will, will bring you to humility. I think the fear of the Lord has a lot to do with faith too, because if you look at the people that feared the Lord the most in the Bible, they always had the greatest amount of faith. You know how many times David talked about the fear of the Lord in um in psalms and proverbs and or not or psalms more and even Sol- Solomon at one point Solomon at one point was very humble. he was very humble. When you marry, when you, when you when you shack up with a thousand women, no, it might just take your heart away from God. A thousand women, seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. Well, yeah, that's a recipe for total disaster. And you know who the first wife he took? Pharaoh's daughter. What a boneheaded move, dude! You cannot be unequally yoking yourself up with the Pharaoh's daughter of all. You talk about demonic generational baggage. The Pharaoh's daughter, you couldn't get any worse. You join flesh to flesh, all the, that demonic transfer that takes place, those demons hopping over to your body now, uh, recipe for disaster. But the more you fear God, I believe the, the more your faith also increases because you can look at David, he feared God. He talked about the fear of God constantly in Psalms. Okay? Did he Was he not a mighty, unbelievable man of faith? Did not he do unbelievable, mighty exploits for God? He slew a bear with his bare hands and a lion. He slew Goliath with a stone. He was the only one that would go out to face him. He was a little guy. said he was ruddy. And yet he went out to, to, to face the giant when everybody else troubled. But he was a man of, of, of also humility... And he feared God, and he wrote about it in Psalms. And he was very humble because you can tell the Book of Psalms—you could tell, you could see his humility in that. Um, so anyway, I think it's all connected. I think biblically, faith, fear of God—all that's just—they're all connected. Um, and fear of God takes care of so much of this. If you just pray for fear of God, it just takes care of so many other things. Um, and there's so many good byproducts of it. So it says that um, uh, Blessed be God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. See, He's the God of all comfort. He's the Father of mercies who comfort us in our tribulations. Basically what He's saying is that you're going to have tribulations, you're going to have persecution, all that live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to have it. Uh, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. What is it? It's the trying of our faith. It's it's the it's the um, it's what Jesus said in Revelation three. He says, "I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire." Okay, this is the trial of our faith. That's what it is. Well, why does God make me go through it? Why? why, why? Because that's the way he set it up. I don't know. I, I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to see who's really his kid and who's not. He's trying to make it very, very and Of course, he knows that. But he's trying to make it very, very obvious to not only that person, but also to the world. Because the Bible says that, that, that if... Um, And and nothing terrified by your adversaries Which is an evident token of perdition What if you're not terrified of your adversaries And what if you boldly proclaim Christ When it's really, the times are bad And what if you persecute? Well that's an evident token that you're saved It's a fruit of that Um, Have we gotten to that point in this country yet? No, no Has everybody that's ever died and came to this planet? No, there's a lot of people that have died in Christ In the past That didn't have to go through all this I'm sure they suffered persecution in some way, shape or form so not everybody's going to have to go through the exact same thing everybody else. Not everybody's going to have to be put into a, uh, a, a brass bowl and roasted like um you know, In Intranakis In- was. I just, I just saw the whole story about that. D- Uff, man, I'll tell you what. You're put into a brass bowl, a hollow brass bowl, and they roast you slow over a fire. I figured that would almost be b- worse to burn the stake cuz it'd be slower. Of course, I don't I don't I don't know how that would all work. I don't know if it would kill you quicker. It depends on how how much they had the fire stoked up. You better you you better settle-